you know, another just topic under keep downgrade or close is understanding like the, like you said, the life cycle of a card and how frequently you can apply for it again is so important. Like when you guys had homeschooling on points and she dropped that bomb of opening. (laughs) I mean, that was like the bomb to go off in the points and miles world for the next decade. (laughs) I feel like. But we a popular episode, Unlimited <laughs> Ultimate Rewards. It should be. <laughs> but when she said that, like, that is huge. Understanding that you can get that bonus every 90 days is a game changer. And then, you know, like you just said, um, thinking about the Southwest card, you that's every 24 months from when you receive the bonus. Like, understanding that life cycle is a big, a big part of how to decide what you're going to do with these cards. Welcome to the Disney Points Podcast, where our goal is to help you take that dream Disney vacation without blowing through your savings. With ticket costs and hotel prices constantly on the rise, we want to show you what's possible when you introduce credit card points and miles to the Disney equation. I'm Kim Shear, and you can find me on my blog, vacationpointers.com, or at my Instagram account, at vacation underscore pointers. And I'm Sam Holland, and you can find me on the web at almostfreetraveling.com or on Instagram at almostfreetraveling. And now, this is the Disney Points Podcast. We'd like to welcome Katie and Nicole to the show. You can find them on Instagram at Points and Miles Teachers. They are literal teachers. They co-teach a third grade classroom in Missouri, and their tagline on Instagram is teaching you how to travel nearly free with credit card points and miles. Who wouldn't want that? Today we're discussing an audience requested topic, when to keep open, downgrade, or close credit cards. We get asked this all the time, so we're really excited to talk about it today. Katie and Nicole, welcome. Can you tell us how did you get into points and miles? Hey, thanks for having us on. We're so excited. So, um, I taught virtual from home. This is Nicole for a year, um, when COVID happened and I just had a little bit more like mental energy to learn new things. I wasn't running my kids here, there and everywhere. And I started learning about index funds and investing and happened upon an Instagram account that talks about investments and points and miles. And I was super skeptical, like everyone is. And I feel like I just like stalked her account silently for for a month trying to figure out what the heck she was talking about. And one day I just asked a question and before I knew it, I, I jumped in and I got the Chase Sapphire preferred and I got started. So Nicole, you got in first. Yeah, I got in first. And then you said, Kate, Katie, and then I said, Kate, Kate. yes. (laughs) And then, and then the year after she was able to come back to the classroom and so we teach in the same room all day. And so I was able to learn from her because she would just, she would discuss travel hacking and points and miles and she started taking monthly trips and she's always been super financially savvy. And so I just started becoming very curious. And so she just That'll walked me. Yeah, she just walked me through, and and I jumped on board, and here we are. Now we're teaching other people how to do it as well. 
Well, we're really happy that you are. The next episode when we have you on will be index funds and investing. <laughs> yes. Kim and I can get into those. Oh my gosh, I'm saying the same thing. I was like, okay, when do I get to point what? to teachers to teach me that? Yeah, when do I stretch my teacher salary so that I can function? <laughs> yeah, well, and yeah. I love the story about just um, your friend, your, te- your teacher and your POV, your teacher and your teacher friend just starts going on a trip every month. You're like, what? <laughs> and you know how what? much she gets paid. <laughs> I, yeah, you know how much I make. And you're like, well, soon, I feel like as soon as I said I was going to Hawaii, she was like, okay, and like, let's talk about this. You don't have that much money. <laughs> Enough's enough. Tell me what the deal is. Yeah, that's right. Let's start with what are the reasons you might possibly keep cards open? So we, first of all, we think about our credit score. So like I have a Capital One Venture Mile card and I'm never closing that. I've had it forever. It's my longest line of credit. So I'm always going to keep that card open because if I closed it, then that shortens my credit history link. So I think that's really important to point out first, like our utmost priority is keeping a strong, healthy credit score. And then we just start thinking about what do these cards offer us? You know, we, in our strategy, we have to have a Chase Sapphire preferred or reserve because we send tons of points through that card with transfer partners. Uh, we love Hyatt. We love Southwest. Um, and so that card just allows us to utilize Chase Transfer Partners. So it is a non-negotiable card for us. We're paying that $95 annual fee no matter what because it lets us leverage our points to get triple or sometimes, you know, four or five times the value of our points. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a specific question about the software preferred? Sure. But do you keep one open for you and your spouse or just one? Katie's getting ready to live through this so she can tell you what she's going to do. Yes. So, so I have a Sapphire um, preferred open and I referred my spouse and my annual fee just came up. I paid it. And now my spouse's annual fee is going to come up here in a couple months. And so um, per household, we only need one open. And so when his annual fee pops up, he is going to downgrade. Um, he no longer needs that card since we have mine. So we will kind of explore our choices and, and um, make a decision once that time comes what we're going to downgrade to. But we don't need to be spending the annual fee on both cards. And we just we just need one. Yeah, totally makes sense. Well, let's talk when we talk about downgrading. Let's come back to that. And you can tell us the cards you're considering because that might be helpful. For me and for anyone listening, but um, you mentioned referrals that you referred your husband to open the same card and got a bonus for that. Is that another reason that you keep cards open is because you might need personal referrals for those cards? Yeah. And um, like we haven't gone into like American Express or something like that where it would help us out to have personal links right now. Um, But we... I kept a a Southwest card open a little longer than I would have normally kept it open because I wanted to refer my husband and he wasn't eligible for a card yet because he was still studying at 524 and I needed him to be at 424. So I left that card open so that I could refer him. And then as soon as I could, as soon as he dropped back down to 424, 
um, I was still within that window to um, call Southwest and cancel that or close that card and get my $95 or my um, $69 annual fee back. Yeah, we did something similar. And so we've done the whole Southwest Companion Pass, like, you know, earning the Companion Pass a couple of times now. Um, So I'm at the point where I'm doing, I did it for the second time, I think, a year ago. But anyway, I kept my cards open. I didn't last time. And I now looking back, I'm like, I just didn't know what I was doing. I should have kept them open all the way until that year point where my husband, I could refer my husband. Mm Because even if you... Even if it's past the time when you can, like, get their annual fee back, which is usually, like, a 30-day window of when your annual fee hits, even if you miss that, I think the annual fee, that was it, like, $69, you said? Yeah, it's still worth, worth it. getting the 20,000 points you would get for referring your spouse. Absolutely, because you for think, like, sometimes that flight's going to be, like, it's it's at least going to be a, tw- a two dollars $300 flight for 20,000 sure. points, so it definitely pays for itself. Yeah, that was a good one to to bring up i've also found this with the um city cards because i have a city personal card and a city business card that i both i open both of them for advantage miles Mm -hmm. and i've been trying to figure out if i should keep them open and one of the reasons i sort of want to is because occasionally they'll give me referral links so that i can refer other people to them they don't have any right now but they have in the past and that's the only way for me to get any kind of bonus for um, suggesting those cards to people would be to have the card myself and have the personal links. That's a great point because like we opened city advantage cards to go to Europe this summer. So we're using AA miles to fly to Rome and home from Paris. And I hadn't thought about that. That's a great point. So I think what I hear us saying is these, there's kind of three categories that you want to think through when you're deciding to keep a card open, what are the ongoing or annual benefits? Will it help you get referral bonuses you can't get any other way? And is it going to affect your credit score? Slash, is it your oldest card? I totally agree. And then, and like, I always think free night certificates, that's always an easy one. Like it's a yes every time for me to keep it open. Like um, we went to Washington to Mount Rainier National Park and to, um, Olympic National Park. And so we flew in and out of Seattle and I used two Hyatt free night certificates to stay in, in Seattle. And so that was like a no brainer. That was that $95 Hyatt annual fee paid for itself over and over. Yeah. Do you, I, go ahead, go Ken. Ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I just, I think it's smart just to do like a quick math equation. I can say this because you're teachers, um, <laughs> but just like take the the value that you're getting from the card, whether that be in annual certificates or um, I don't know, other things, lounge access, whatever it is, and then subtract the annual fee. And if you're coming out ahead, then it's a pretty smart card to keep. I think so. I think that's an easy, I like easy ways to think about things and that makes sense. Okay. So we've talked about a few different specific cards. Are there certain banks that you tend to keep a lot of cards open from that bank? We tend to open, um, a lot of cards from Chase Bank and we we like to keep the we like to keep in that category just because you get the ultimate rewards rather than you know jumping from bank to bank and then you're piecing different um, categories and um, and and card currencies currencies together and so we we spend a lot of our efforts into um, the Chase cards 
And we like to keep Chase happy. We don't want him to see us like opening and closing a lot of cards because that is the priority for us. Makes sense. I I agree with that. I think so with Amex, I know you mentioned you haven't ventured into Amex very much, which I, Kim and I haven't really either. We have a few, but um, I know that with the Amex fine print that says you can only open a card once in your lifetime, then you might want to consider that before you close one of those. Yeah, I think so. And and like, do people say that like lifetime means seven years that there's, did I see that on doctor or credit? Of, or yeah, something? I think you're right. Or you mm-hmm. can get like a targeted offer in the mail, but I mean, those are just like speculatory statements that's not you know for sure so I do try to keep in mind what's going on with Amex before I would ever close one with that lifetime statement so we talked about reasons you would keep a card open and really when you come on that annual fee you've got about three three choices you can pick from right you're going to keep it you're going to close it or you could downgrade it so let's talk about what are some reasons that you would possibly downgrade a card. And maybe before we jump into that, you can explain what that looks like, what what it means to downgrade a card, and then give some advice. Okay, so do you want me to talk about my Hilton example? That's a good sure. downgrade, upgrade. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, so we opened Hilton Surpass American Express cards, my husband, myself, and my mom did, um, because my mom and my aunt went to Hawaii with us as well, and um, they have a $95 annual fee. We just wanted that welcome bonus, and so we got the cards. We spent the welcome bonus. When that $95 annual fee came due, I love American Express because their chat is so easy. I just hopped into the Secure American Express chat, um, told them that I was considering downgrade or closing my card. Was there a retention offer available? And they told me there was not. So um, since there was a downgrading option, I downgraded my and my husband's um, Hilton Surpass cards to just the zero annual fee Hilton card. And Within probably a month after doing that, we both received emails for targeted offers from American Express telling us that if we wanted to upgrade again to the Surpass, um, that they would give us 100,000 points each. So, you know, like Hilton, that doesn't go so, so far, but it's a good offer and it didn't require us getting a hit on our credit with another inquiry. Um, So we did it. So. I had to meet a $3,000 minimum spend and I got a hundred thousand points. And then we did it with my husband as well. So that was just a great way to get another big batch of Hilton points without having to get a new card open. They also sent us targeted offers later on to um, upgrade to the Aspire card. And it just, again, talking about, you know, like how the annual fee makes sense for you, personally, it was $450. And I just looked at it over and over again. And I just didn't pull the trigger on it because I thought this just doesn't make sense for me. I don't really understand how to use these credits and benefits to the best of my ability. So I did not upgrade again. But we like to keep Hilton points around. Um, Obviously, Hyatt's our priority, but Hilton has a much larger footprint. And my husband just went to Missouri State High School Wrestling this past weekend. And we used Hilton points for that. And so he and another coach stayed um, 
for, I think it was like 60 bucks. If you want to talk about the annual fee and how much, you know, we paid for it, which we don't usually keep put annual fees in trip reports. Cause we like to think of them as yearly expenses. I don't know what your guys's point of view is, but that's just kind of how we look at it and how we deal with upgrade downgrades with Amex. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that happening even with like the Amex Gold to Platinum, right? That people mm-hmm. get offers to upgrade without it being like another application. Absolutely. Yeah. It hasn't happened to me yet. I keep waiting for mine. <laughs> well, do you want to hear a sad story? Sure. I recently closed that very Amex that you downgraded, the Hilton Amex Surpass, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it for months. Are we going to keep this card open? What are the pros and cons? Um, My husband was really using all the little bonuses every month to make sure he was getting, you know, his annual fees worth out of it. But he finally decided to close it. I'm not kidding. Probably within the next week, I saw your post on Instagram about how you downgraded it and then got the targeted offer. I was like, what have I done? I just think downgrading is the the longer I'm playing this game, downgrading is the way to go because I have several stories now of when I wished that I had downgraded instead of closing Mm -hmm. a card. Yeah. And like cards, I don't even know that are available. Um, you know, like Marianne, um, she posted about downgrading to her, a Sapphire preferred card to a visa chase freedom flex. And I thought, I didn't even know that card existed. So we were talking about the next time we downgrade, we're going to call and we're just going to say like, what are our card options instead of assuming that we know what we're going to downgrade to and just seeing like, what are the options that the representative can kind of lay out for us? Yeah. And I think that's important to bring up too, because the other benefit of downgrading a card, if there's an option is that it doesn't affect your credit score the way it would if you were to just outright close the card. And it's a temporary hit and it's probably only a few points, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a better option if you're worried about how it's going to affect your credit. Keeping the bank happy. You too. You know, yeah. like it looks better on their end when you downgrade. I'm going to tell another sad story because <laughs> I have so many of them. You guys, I got into points of miles before I had a mentor. And so I've done so many things and didn't do them all well. But basically... One of the first cards we opened were the city premieres because at that point, at that time, you could use your city thank you points for Disney tickets and get 1.25 value out of them. And so we opened two city premieres and we bought Disney tickets and it was great. So our admission to Disney was free for our whole family on this one trip. And um, then we were just like, well, what are we going to do with these cards? We don't need them anymore. And I just had no idea what I was doing. So we closed them. Oh. I know that sigh. I had no idea that if you just downgraded your city premieres that you can then open the city premiere again, 24 months after you earn the bonus and earn the bonus again. But if you close them, it resets the clock. So you can still reopen the city premiere, but it's two years from when you closed it. Yeah. I love that. Lesson learned. So I love your advice of just calling the bank and saying, Hey, is there any card I could downgrade this to? I mean, that's just should be your default if you're ever thinking you're going to close a card. That's what I think I'm going to do because none of us can know everything, you know, so why not ask for their help? Something we were thinking about um, 
you know, another just topic under keep downgrade or close is understanding like the, like you said, the life cycle of a card and how frequently you can apply for it again is so important. Like when you guys had homeschooling on points and she dropped that bomb of opening. (laughs) I mean, that was like the bomb to go off in the points and miles world for the next decade. I feel like. That's that's a popular episode, Unlimited (laughs) Ultimate Rewards. It should be. (laughs) But when she said that, like, that is huge. Understanding that you can get that bonus every 90 days is a game changer. And then, you know, like you just said, um, thinking about the Southwest card, you that's every 24 months from when you receive the bonus. Like, understanding that life cycle is a big, a big part of how to decide what you're going to do with these cards. Yeah. Do you make that a part of your curriculum? Oh, yes. <laughs> life cycle of a card. Yeah. But, you know, like, that's what we, I felt like such a third grade teacher when I said that, because we had just gotten done doing life cycles. And I was like, I'm going to use this phrase in credit card points and miles. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, swear. I was just going to ask, what grade are you teaching? Because this is the stuff I actually wish I learned in school. Third grade, we're going to teach you how to have a good credit score, Uh how to travel as you deserve on any salary. I love it. Well, That's the best. I've noticed that the best, some of the best influencers, I'll say, points and miles are used to be teachers. I can think of so many or still are teachers. Um, And I think that it's that combination of like you're a teacher and so you're limited on your travel income, but then also you're a teacher. So you just, you're naturally so good at researching and then teaching other people how to do it so well done thanks we so we just like you. yeah don't assume that any that anything's known I think that's probably the biggest part is you just start from the bottom and go up because you just in teaching little kids you can't assume what they know we it's just natural for us to start at the floor and go up um, I was wondering do you think we could kind of use an example maybe you can walk us through what you would do with these cards because we we talked a little bit about the Southwest credit cards and how you can reopen them every 24 months, which a lot of people will want to do because of the companion pass. So let's say you opened one this year for the, you opened it at the end of last year to earn the companion pass at the beginning of this year. Now, if you're that person, when should that person consider closing those cards so that they'll be eligible to do this again in two years? Well, personally, I close them when the annual fee comes due if I don't like need it for referral links for personal referral links, I just like to like get it tidied up, closed up off my radar. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just how I organize things. I like to keep things as simple as possible. Um, It helps me to like keep my annual fee budget tight Mm -hmm. so that I'm not spending a bunch of money on annual fees and I'm not utilizing all of the features. Um, but that's just what I do. I don't know. Katie, what do you do? No, that's same thing. Um, just waiting until that year comes around. And then um, if there's any, if there's any referrals, use them for that. But otherwise we, we just close them because there's so many other cards that offer better redemptions. And so we don't, we don't really use that card very often for other other than the sign up bonus. So yeah, it has to be a targeted offer. You know how you can go into the chase slash my bonus 
and enter in the last four of your card and see if it, if you've gotten targeted for like five times groceries or five times gas yes. or whatever. That's really the only time that we use that those Chase Southwest cards for everyday spend if we've gotten targeted. Right. So keep the card at least a year. Mm-hmm. Wait for the annual fee to hit. Yep. And then in this case, because we know you can't downgrade it, you could you could close these cards. Yeah, right? don't ever close it before your annual fee comes due. I think that yes. um, that's like a huge piece for new beginners is you have to keep it open for a year. Another great point to think about why you don't need two Sapphire Preferreds in a household is because you can combine points from other people that live in your at your address into one sapphire card so like my husband doesn't have a sapphire card but he has um chase ink cards he has a freedom flex and we just called chase one time and they linked his account to my account so you literally go into chase ultimate rewards there's like three lines you hit combine points and i can send my husband's points to my sapphire account to spend them out so that is an awesome feature inside of Chase and the main reason why we don't need two preferred cards at $95 a fee. Okay. That's really I have something to say about that. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this is my word of caution because this is a mistake that we recently made. Yes. Where my husband had a Sapphire Reserve and his annual fee came due and you know now it's $550 and he was eligible to apply again. For another sapphire card because it's been more than 48 months and so i thought the right decision was to downgrade that card to a freedom card which is what uh-huh. we did but then i realized that you need the person who okay so we have a bunch of we want to move our points to hyatt that's what we do with most of our chase cards but he's the one with the hyatt status oh yes and we needed to be able to move the points from his chase account to his hyatt account but he could only do that if he had a sapphire card mm-hmm. so even if he moved the co- the points to my sapphire card which you could do i couldn't move them from my sapphire card to his hyatt account does that make sense yeah it totally makes sense and so, like, so that, it was just that, a goof <laughs> yeah and so like we at my house i have all of the status and things you know like my husband is the typical player too he literally follows the only directions i give him and that's uh-huh. it. like you know um something i don't know if this is helpful or not but my since i have hyatt status my mom travels with me sometimes and she'll send her chase um ultimate rewards to her hyatt account and then she will call Hyatt and she will gift me the stay. Mm-hmm. And then that stay shows up in my number of nights for my Hyatt status. And like all my perks come along with that. Yes. And that's probably something we could have done. I'm trying to think if there's any reason why we couldn't have done that. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I'm just I so it's right. like that's just how we get around it because, you know, like I just – we don't, we don't have a ton – like we're not, we're not globalists or anything with Hyatt um, yet just because we're – kind of sporadic with our the places we stay and mm-hmm. uh, that's just a way for us to keep at least explorist and to get some of those lounge um accesses and the free night certificates is sending my mom's nights to my account yeah and i think you call you can also fill out a form to ch- transfer points yeah to another hyatt a long number. time <laughs> yeah it just takes too long and so that was <laughs> like i don't want to do that but anyway no, i i brought that up to say keep open the card for the person that 
is the one yes. that has like the status somewhere. Because if you're transferring Southwest points, United points, whatever it is, keep the card open for that person. Absolutely. That's a great point. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up, Kim. I have another okay. something else I wanted to share about the Sapphire Preferred and get your thoughts. Um, so when we downgraded one of our Sapphire cards because we wanted to reopen the Preferred and get the bonus, it had been 48 months, we downgraded to a Freedom Flex card. And I thought this is kind of genius because I never wanted to open one of those no fee Freedom Flex or Freedom Unlimited. I know they're powerful and people really like them, but they don't have a very good bonus. And I didn't want them taking a spot in my 524, but I wanted them. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a good, it killed a lot of birds with one stone because by downgrading, I wasn't closing a card and I was also getting a card that I wanted, but it was, it just looked like nothing to the bank on my credit. Right. It was just a card, a ch what do they call it? Product change. Um, and I know I'm giving up a little bit of a ultimate reward welcome bonus, but it just was never big enough that I would want to give it a spot in my 524. So I just think that's another way to think about it. If you're going to be like we are, we're going to open the Sapphire Preferreds every four years. Um, but we're going to think strategically about how we downgrade those. Yeah. We downgrade them. And something else, um, before you downgrade, um, I don't know if you guys were, were I wanted to talk about this or not, but we, uh, my husband had opened a Southwest business card and it had like $10,000, um, credit limit or something. And we, that was just unnecessary. And he, he opened a Chase Inc cash and they gave him a $2,000 credit limit. So when we called, we called with the intention of closing that Southwest business card but I wanted some of that credit limit over to my, his ink card without having to like ask for an increase of credit, which is a hit on your credit report. You know, when you call and you ask for an increase in credit, they check your credit. So before he said anything about closing his Southwest card, I had him request that some of his credit, like $5,000 from his um, Chase Southwest card be moved over to his Chase Inc card. And then after they did that, he closed the Southwest card. Yeah, that's super smart. Because for some reason, those ink cards, they always give you these tiny little credit limits. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the minimum spend is 6000 right now or 7500 yeah. on the standard offer. So that's a lot of money to put on those cards with a $2,000 credit limit. Yeah, you're going to have to be paying it off, you know, every week or so. To, well, not every week, but you know what I mean, like super frequently to keep that amount open. So that was just something we did to utilize credit that they had already had extended us before we closed the card yeah that's really that's smart really... and then one more thing to add to that if mm -hmm. you're like sam and i and you don't like picking up the phone you can do you can ask for them to move credit around through secure message i love that's what i do because <laughs> i don't like cool. calling people i don't but... like calling me i always wait until i have like two or three things to do and then we uh -huh. call and then we call them <laughs> yeah i have a question about this well first i have a story I've got so many stories Yeah, today. so many stories today. Uh, but it's related. So I once called B of A to close a card. Yeah. And they offered to move the credit line from that card. First of all, they offered me all these different, well, you could do this and you could do that, or you could do this and that. Finally, I just said, no, I really want to close it. And they said, well, let's move the credit line over to this other card that you have, because that'll look better. 
on your credit than if we just close this card outright. Wasn't that nice of them to look out for me? I like that. Yeah. So they moved it over to my Alaska card, which I'm never, never going to close because we fly Alaska. But um, I think it just shows that you sometimes you really can have these really beneficial questions when you call the bank and tell them, like, I'm thinking of doing this. What are my options? Where could we move this credit line? What could I downgrade to? Yeah. And they're going to help you out. And if you get a hold of like someone who's an absolute curmudgeon, then you just hang up and you call back and you, you get someone who's hookah. Yeah. And you call back <laughs> and you get someone who is pleasant and helpful. Yep. Okay. So here's my other question that I had. Uh, Cause we were talking about moving credit around between cards or raising your credit limit, which you said, is a hit on your credit. Is it a hit to lower the credit limit on a card? No, it is not. And we do that um, per homeschooling on points, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, that literally was the best, best thing of life. Um, I know. <laughs> I mean, it, when, when I was listening to it, my jaw dropped and I might have like, screamed, I don't know. <laughs> but I do do what she says and I call and I make sure that I have credit available so that they'll give me another one of those chasing cards. What do you mean you call and see if you have credit available? Well, like I call and I lower, like if I have any credit, I know people are saying, you know, like, well, that lowers your debt to credit ratio or whatever, but I just call. And if we have a card that has like, you know, we had a card that had $24,000 credit limit on it. And we're like, we do not need this much credit on a card. So I just called and lowered it to $5,000. And then I knew that like within the next week, I was going to be applying for another Chase Inc. cash card. And that there was credit available for the bank to offer me because I wasn't already maxed out with all of these credit limits that they had extended. Yeah. So I remember Heather bringing this up and I don't remember what exactly she said, but is there an amount that you're trying to keep the amount of credit that they've extended you in relationship to the salary that you're declaring when you're opening cards? I don't know. And I wish I knew that. Kim, do you remember? I don't, but I think it's a safe bet to look at what you currently have like given to you with Chase as far as credit and then just try to keep it within that route yeah try to keep it around that Mm -hmm. number yeah if they've offered you forty thousand dollars in credit then just try to keep it in that that makes complete sense that's a great point that's true and you know i've noticed that they like with the inks they do always offer us only three or four thousand dollars as a credit line on those Mm -hmm. but as soon as we hit the minimum spend then they double it they'll just raise it to ten Oh, wow. I never noticed that. that. No, that's another indicator. They're like, oh, okay, we're going to give you more credit now. And I always do what you do. I just lower it right back down to mm-hmm. where I want it because I know I'm going to open another one. Yeah. And then another one. All right. So before you would close a card altogether, you mentioned calling the bank to ask for a retention offer. So can you tell us what is a retention offer? And then maybe give us a, some suggestions on how to how to get one and how to ask for one. Okay. So I, um, was just doing, I'll give you like, I like a story example. So I, um, just was on the secure chat with American express for, um, our Hilton business card. And they, first of all, they were making a mistake. So it's a mistake on their end, but they were going to offer me 
10,000 Hilton points to keep the card. And I was like, that is not worth it. You can't even get a night for 10,000 points with Hilton. So that would be an example where I wouldn't accept the retention offer. Um, I would just go ahead and close the card. So I think you have to just not assume that every retention offer automatically makes sense for you. Um, now, if they had said, you know, like 30 or 40,000 points, then I, then I would have kept it because that would have paid for a night at Hilton, which would have surpassed that $95. Um, sometimes it's, um, you know, they'll credit your annual fee. It won't always be points per spend, but they might say, yeah, we'll credit your statement for $95 annual fee. Would you like to keep this card open for another year? And I've done that. Um, but I prefer to get points for an amount of spend. That's my preferred way of a retention offer. And they don't all seem to be the same. Like if you hear other people that say like, oh, I just got a retention offer on my Amex Gold. Like, yeah. They're always a little different. So it's, I don't, Do you I, think they I offer did it, you, oh, go ahead. Do you think that that's based on whether or not you spend on the card? Do you think mm-hmm. they give you a better offer if you spend on the card or don't spend on the card? I think you're onto something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that has something to do with it. But and the other thing I was going to say, too, is it's all you can always ask if that's their best offer, because I've even yeah. heard people saying like they're given an, an initial offer and then mm-hmm. they, they ask, can you do a little better than that? And they'll like maybe throw on another 10,000 points or something. So if you're not super happy with it, you can always ask if there's if they can do anything better. They also told me that, um, like, it's just, it's confirming what you just said. I, I asked, I was like, is there a better offer? And they said no, but they mm-hmm. gave me a phone number to call and said that they have access to more offers than the chat agent did. Interesting. Did that was for your Hilton card? Yeah. So that was okay. for a Hilton business card. So they sent me a number and it's on my to-do list to call um, and say that I, you know, and ask for a retention offer through that avenue. All right. So we're going to need you to do that. And then we're going to record. And I'll report back. <laughs> now that we have each other's text messages, yes. we'll run everything through text and then we'll put it out on Instagram. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so I have, a, I have a story. No, it's not a story yet. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm done making mistakes. Apparently this is story not, time with Sam. Up. I know. Um, <laughs> With the Capital One Venture X, I had seen some data points in a Facebook group that people were getting retention offers on that card. I just want to put it out there because we're in the 30-day window with our annual fee. Uh But we, Darren and I both hate making phone calls. So I'm like, you have to call the bank and ask for a retention offer because we actually spend on that card. Our kids are authorized users. So our two of our kids have that card and use it to make all their purchases and we get two miles on every purchase per dollar per on every purchase they make so i'll report back but has anyone else heard about that retention offer do you know what it was do you know what people are being offered uh i think it was points i I think it was worth it i was thinking it might be a good time because they just devalued their priority pass so you could Mm -hmm. easily call and Mm say um This brings up another point, though, that I thought we should probably talk about. Um, When you call, it's important to say that you're thinking about closing the card, not that you are definitely closing the card, because you don't want them to call your bluff and be like, uh, you know, we don't have any retention offers, so let's go ahead and close it. And then if if it's a card that you want to keep, like the Vengeance is a card I want to keep. So if you're going to call to see if they'll give you an offer, 
to keep it open. You just want to make sure that you're you're wishy washy with your, how um, okay how sincere you are about closing the card because you then do. if they say yeah, because then if you they don't have anything good, you just want to make sure that you say well let, let me think about it a little bit more or something like that. Well, these are just some Disney questions. After all, this is a Disney podcast. So, and we know you're Disney fans and you've hacked Disney trips. So, um, if you, what is your favorite Disney attraction? I like the Matterhorn and I like the teacups. (laughs) I think you're the only person alive that loves the teacups. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I can't even ride those anymore. I know. Well, my mom, when we went, when I was in sixth grade, my mom was like seasick off the teacups. Oh gosh. It would mess me up for the rest of the day. I like the teacup vibe though. The the lights at night. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. The haunted, is it a haunted mansion in Disneyland? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But they had it decorated for Nightmare Before Christmas when we were there, and I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good choices. Yeah, and I think okay. mine, my very first time going to anything Disney was last May and June. And so being able to experience it as an adult and through my children's eyes, um, I was just mesmerized with everything and so it's hard to hard to pick something but our very first ride we we went on was um ratatouille Mm. and i felt like that just set the bar so high um (laughs) and i would love to do that again but yeah i I would say ratatouille that's the first first ride we went on and i think i was just so amazed by just everything disney that i was like this is incredible (laughs) there's an emotional component to that yes there is (laughs) our other question that we ask is if you could be any disney character who would you be moana why oh you got run away yeah moana or the rooster from robin hood i love how he just walks around that was my favorite disney movie as a kid yes is it oh when i was little i loved that one I love that. I just think that I it's a song once you get in your head, you're never getting it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Moana, because she lives at the beach. I mean, what's not to like oh, about that? That is so yeah. true. You were pretty you must have thought about that. You this know I love before. Lin-Manuel Miranda too. So it's just Ooh. like a whole a whole musical <laughs> vibe thing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Come on. Katie wants to be beast from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Or uh, Ursula, what's the Ursula? Ursula. Oh, yeah. We just went to Disney on Ice over the weekend, and that was so much fun. So I, I was able to see all the, all the characters. It's so fresh in my mind. But gosh, (laughs) I mean, I'm gonna have to go with, um, with Elsa because I feel like my house is, is so, um. Frozen, frozen, <laughs> and that's that's like what I'm like an expert on with my daughter, and so I'm gonna have to go with Elsa. <laughs> to let it but go. I like Moana too. I like the I like the beach vibe that Nicole gave out. I like that too, or the rooster vibe. Kim and I love bringing you Disney content every week. Thanks for showing your support by using the credit card affiliate links in the show notes. It costs you nothing and means everything to us. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of the Disney Points podcast, where we'll unpack another way to save on your next Disney vacation. See you real soon.